I love worshiping. Man, uh, Next, I, when God's spirit comes, there's just nothing like the goodness of God, man. I'll tell you, if, if people that don't know, don't know. Uh, it is wonderful, and I love just being in God's presence. Uh, that line we were singing, it's such a comfort, man. Out of um, the grave, he came, I don't know. I always sing the wrong lyrics anyway, right? I'm in my own world. I don't care. God likes my song more than anyone else's anyway, right? That's what I feel. But um, he, uh, what a comfort it is to know that the things that's happening in this world, it's all good. He's got this. He's got this. And so, you know, it's one thing to believe that Jesus was resurrected. It's another thing to know that he was and to see miracles and to know them, you know. And so uh, I'm, I'm lifting my faith right now. God's challenging us. A lot of powerful things that's happening. I want to welcome everyone online right now. Uh, love you guys. And uh, man, God is moving. And I pray that the Lord is with you this morning. Today, I feel like the Lord is giving me. So sometimes as a minister, as a pastor, I, I the sermon uh, comes from uh, a pastoral perspective, one that's going to encourage you and build you up. Sometimes it comes from an evangelical, the scripture talks of the fivefold ministry, the apostolic, the prophetic, um, the evangelical, the pastoral, and the teaching. And uh, sometimes we can, we'll teach, uh, others do better than me most of the time. Um, sometimes we're pastoral where we're going to encourage you or build you up or correct you. Uh, sometimes it's evangelical here. I operate often as an evangelist, and so a lot of times we're, 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 our, our vision is to reach the lost, reach the lost. Today is a little different. Um, I believe very much that God has given me a prophetic word for you, and uh, what I mean by that is uh, in the Old Testament, you can see a lot of the prophets. Uh, I am not a prophet, uh, but it doesn't mean that we can't have prophetic messages, and this isn't a message about what's coming rather than what's happening. And, um, and so in the Old Testament, in Isaiah and Jeremiah, there would be a word that was for God's people that would just burn within them, that they had to get it out. And um, what's been really neat is last week being able to sit on the sideline while Teresa preached. Trey, you did so awesome. There's such a gift of God inside of you that we want more of. Man, that was, it was uh, uh, just energetic for me to hear you and what God was speaking to you. He was speaking to me at the same time. And so I just want to recap for a second what's happening in our country right now. I, I don't know about you, but I love the moment in time we're in. I know that it's crazy. I like crazy. I operate well in crazy most of the time. But when I look at scripture, everything that's been prophesied about five, 6,000 years was to fulfill, I think, the moment in time that we're stuck in. You know, when Daniel said, in the last days, knowledge, uh, men will run to and fro and knowledge will increase, we've never been able to travel the earth like we can now. Knowledge has never increased like it has in the last 150 years, 20 years, three years. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so, uh, like, to prophesy of that 4,000 years ago meant nothing like it means today, for men to run to and fro throughout the earth and uh, for knowledge to increase. And that's just one of many things that I feel like we're living in a day and age that every prophet has ever prophesied. They dreamt of, of these moments. And while it's crazy to some, it's fulfilling and should be to us. And so I feel like we've got to tap back in. Last week, Teresa and I got a word on the same day that was, that was the same. And it was so neat because I, this scripture is like the anthem to Pentecostal believers in uh, 
Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, uh, you know, that they, all the believers were together in one accord. And they were in the upper room. They were praying, and uh, they were waiting on the, on the promise that God had promised them, which was neat because that Holy the same Spirit that was poured out on the day of Pentecost was already on the earth. He was already there during Jesus' time. He was already there in the Old Testament. But we saw an outpouring like never before that changed things. And that outpouring is something that we should be still looking for. And the, they, were, they were believing. And as God poured His Spirit out in that upper room, it changed and radicalized the believers. It brought uh, an encouragement that they didn't have prior. It brought a fire that they didn't have prior. It brought an urgency that they didn't have prior. It brought a confidence that, man, they did not have prior. And as the God moved on them in the upper room outside, God was also pouring His Spirit out on the streets and all of the people that were there at that festival during Pentecost. And God was moving on the lost just as He was moving on His people. And what I love is the Scripture says that that day 3,000 people were added to the church. But what we can see is that there was a cry that was coming out of the crowd. And that cry was, what is happening? What is happening? What is happening? And in today's culture, I can see that same question coming out of the world right now. What is happening? As I walk through Lowe's and I look at all these funny looking masks, right, that we are forced to wear or something, you know, I, I hate them. I want you to know I don't like them. I will never like them. Uh, I, but I, I, my heart is to reach souls. And some people right now are scared. And if wearing a mask brings comfort to someone else, then to the Jews, I will become a Jew. And to the Gentiles, I'll become a Gentile. And to those that are scared of a pandemic right now, I'll become a mask wearer, right? And so, um, uh, but I, I want to do all things that we can reach all people for Christ Jesus' sake, right? And so we're in this right now, knowing that there are people that need hope radically. And so um, what is our stance on masks? Jesus. I just... I don't want to look or be safe or anything like that. I just want to find a way to win souls. Uh, that's what it's about right now. We'll figure that out and maybe our methods change here soon. But anyways, what God was doing in the church was preparing. He was doing the same thing outside, but we have to figure out how to understand that the questions that they're asking don't, they're not directly asking, is God moving? Is this Jesus? Is this fill in the blank? And we have to understand how to change the conversation and bring Christ into a conversation that currently is godless. Does that make sense? When the world is without hope, they don't know to ask for Jesus. We do. And we have to change the narrative because it's not about a mask. It should never be about a mask. It should never be about a virus. It should always be that the, 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 the virus in this world that we're living in, the pandemic that we have, is not a germ. It's sin. And Jesus is the answer. Like we are, this is not part of my sermon. I'm getting carried away because I'm excited. We're all dying. And we're all going to die. And the hope of mankind is Jesus. You get Jesus inside and all of this. All right. All right. We got to stay on point here. So anyways, Trey, Acts 2, it was great. What is an awakening? 
And I, I think about this, and man, it, it fires me up. And so uh, I, I think about Charles Spurgeon. I, I think about uh, Shuttlesworth. I think about some of these people that were huge for Christianity in America, that were game changers, man, that changed the nation with the fire. Billy Graham brought an awakening. There are people that have a power of God inside of them that are anointed to do things. And what I think that we have forgotten is that we... Many of us in the body of Christ today are asleep. Jesus, only you can say what we need to say today. Amen. Uh, there, um, I just want to ask you um, for permission to speak into your life for the next 30 minutes. Uh, I know that some of you know me, and um, you oftentimes can hear from me. Uh, and some of you that have known me longer can tune me out the longer you know me. But I believe that God has spoken to me um, in this time. There are some that are sermons, and as a pastor, I have to preach a sermon. I don't believe this is a sermon. I believe this is a word. Okay? So this is Matthew. Ooh. This is Matthew chapter 25. I believe that I've read this passage um, in the last four months, somewhere close to 50 times. I can't get this passage out of my head, and so I've actually preached it before, and I didn't preach it with some of the understandings that I have now. And so I'm going to try to dive into it, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, and this is what the Scripture says. So if you, uh, if you have uh, your Bibles and you want to follow along, cool. Uh, then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil in their lamps, but the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. And when the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. And at midnight, they were aroused by, a sh by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out to meet him. And all the bridegrooms got up and prepared their lamps. And the five foolish ones asked the others, Please, would you give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out? But the others replied, We don't, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. And then those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. Later, the other five bridesmaids, bridesmaids returned and they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the hour of my return. And God, I ask that you would speak to every person in this room. Um. There's some things in this passage that I feel like is uh, maybe not fair or I don't like, if I'm honest. Um, but I, I don't like it when I see it played out in normal life also, and so we'll try to get there. Um, there are four things that, I, that stand out to me very much about this passage. Um, and I don't know what stands out to you, but as I've read it over and over again, there are a few things that I think Jesus is emphasizing. In, in, in verse 1, uh, we, it says that, um, can you, we, we put that up on the screen, verse 1. 
Uh, in the kingdom of, um, there was, uh, can you, in the other translation, Brian? So actually, what's funny is I, I'm reading to you out of the New Living Translation because that's the translation I like the most. Um, it, it sounds the most like me. But in every other translation, in verse 1, there is a word in the NIV, in the ESV, in the New King James, in the, in the KJV, in, in most of these other translations, the word bridesmaids is translated um, to, uh, to another word that is called uh, parthena or pathinos um, in the Greek. And the word means virgin. There were 10 virgins who went out uh, and took their lamps and went out to meet their bridegroom. I don't know how much you know about Christianity, so I need to make sure you understand. Uh, most of, of Christianity is um, uh, a one big story. So the whole scripture is one big unfolding story about how uh, God was with man and there was a separation um, and now everything is about us and God coming back together. And there's this great moment in the end, uh, the marriage the marriage supper, the, where, where the bridegroom comes back for his bride. Now, what you may not know is that in Scripture, oftentimes they talk about the sons of God. Women, you have to be the sons of God sometimes because there's an authority that has to rise that is only understood by sons. And uh, guys, you have to be the bride. Uh, you got to put on the dress, and you have to understand that we are in love with Jesus. And this may be um, weird for you, but he is lovely and he is strong and he is mighty and he is perfect and he is beautiful and he is everything that we're looking for. And so we are his bride and he can't wait for the day where we see each other at the altar. So in this story, I see virgins. I see virgins that um, set themselves apart for the day that they were to be married. Now, this is also unlike culture today, but there was uh, a setting aside the scripture would go over this again and again and again, that there would be a, a purity here. And they waited themselves, they prepared themselves for the moment that God would give them. Does this make sense? A man, and this is Jesus telling the, the story. And so, and, and so these virgins set themselves aside. The, the, the second thing that I see, so I'm talking to all of us that have said yes to Jesus, who said, God, I love you and I want to live my life for you. The second thing that I see that is, 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 is important about this passage here is, is going to be in verse 2. Nope, it's going to be in verse 6. It says this, At midnight they were roused by a shout. Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out to meet him. At midnight there was a shout. Now, I, I don't know why the scripture says at midnight. But I do know why it says it was at midnight. Uh, because in the passage, so in scripture, it's really dangerous if you just take one verse and create a theology on that. Yeah. Jesus is telling a story. We never want to just take one story. We want to look at the bigger picture, right, of what Jesus is trying to say. In Matthew chapter 24, there was two stories where Jesus told that would talk about uh, something that's going to happen very urgently. In, in verse 42, he said, So you too must keep watch, for you don't know the hour or the day that the Lord is coming. Understand this. If you're a homeowner and you knew exactly when a burglar was coming, you would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. So you also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when you least expect it. 
Now, this is the very passage before he tells another story. And then later in, in Matthew chapter 25, he's going to tell another story, completely different story. And so what Jesus is going to say here is, this, in, in, verse, in verse 14, the kingdom of heaven will be, will be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. And when he returns, long trip. I don't know if you've ever, uh, sometimes I, I went hunting a few times. And uh, a couple years ago, we went hunting with a friend. And um, we woke up at like four in the morning because this is what hunters do. And I don't know why. And, um, <laughs> and uh, so anyways, we went out in the woods in the dark. We got, our little, got up in our, our tree stand and we're sitting up there. And in uh, its pitch, Black, I can't see nothing. And I'm ready. I am ready, 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 right? Anyone, you understand this? Your adrenaline's going a little bit. You're like, man, this is the moment. I can't wait. And uh, somewhere along the line, your adrenaline wears off a little bit. And it's early morning. <laughs> and it just gets comfortable in the tree stand. And I don't know what happened, but I, I, I dozed off. I was there with a purpose. And um, I was awakened by not a shout, by a stick being broken. And uh, I got all excited, and we, me, I was with a friend. We, it was a big tree stand. It was a, like a tree house, basically, is what it was like. And we had recliners and, and, uh, and, and food with us. And we were basically like on a picnic in the middle of the morning, you know. And, uh, and so uh, we, a, a branch broke, and uh, we grabbed the, 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 the bow, and um, the, it was spooked the deer. Our adrenaline just kicked right back in. Oh, my gosh, I'm awake. And uh, what happened is in this story is it says, at midnight. So these uh, virgins uh, set out to wait for their bridegroom. And somewhere along the line, they all got tired. All 10 of them. So there's nothing wrong with getting tired. But what's important is we understand is they all took lamps. They all recognized. It's like, hey, if we're going camping, we need to have all of these resources. Well, if you're going to decide to be giving your life to Jesus, there are things that you have to have in your life. And what the, Jesus was talking about in this story is you needed oil in your lamp. I never really understood that. I just thought it was kind of like, he was just talking about a story. But he's using midnight because of the state of church. In the last days, the state of the church is getting sleepy. We're getting kind of wore out. We need worship to be better, lights to be cooler. We need more fog machines going. We need something to wake us up, you know? And if, and if at home, pastor's not preaching good enough, sure enough, Stephen Furtick will do it for us, right? Bishop TD, he's, he's got it going on, right? And so we just find another Kool-Aid that's better for us to drink. We'll find a better flavor. But I'm sorry to tell you, your pastor's responsibility is not to keep you awake. I hear this very soberly. Now, I'm trying. It's your job to take care of you. So in this scenario, they all fell asleep. Now, I want to remind you that this wasn't the only time that Jesus would say, we don't know the time or the hour. Let me take you to the, to the end of the story. Well, right now, I thought it was really cool. It was fascinating. I heard a few people tell me that right now, one of the, one of the highest Google searches is end time prophecies right now on Google. So there's a, there's a, a looking right now. There's a searching. And if you look at good old time prophecies, man, there is like a lot of them that's happening right now. It's like, well, this is kind of freaky. Yeah. Well, I know there's people that are waiting, but what happens is you just get bored. 
And some of us have gotten so bored that we've forgotten how to be wholehearted. Now, I can't get ahead of myself. Revelation 22, Jesus said this in verse 12, the, the very last chapter of the very, very last book. He says this, and behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his works. And uh, right, right before that, oh, I'm so sorry. Right before that, in verse 7, Jesus said, Behold, I am coming quickly. I'm, I'm coming quick. So if you're sleeping and you get a sense that it's happening, it may be too late if you didn't already be prepared. And then, uh, and so he says, I'm coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps my words of the prophecy of this book. Verse 17, Jesus said this. He said, the spirit and the bride say, say, come. Let him who has ears uh, say, come. And let him who thirsts come. And whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. Let him keep drinking. But he's saying like the spirit and the bride, we are the bride. The Holy Spirit wants Jesus to come back. And the bride of Christ should be wanting Jesus to come back. But what happens is like if we lose heart of Jesus, we get focused on other things. A lot like life. Think about this. When we set our vows at the altar. Oh, I'll always be passionate. I'll always love you every day. And we just get bored. When we started a new job, man, this is the one. We get bored. And there's something about Americans that are overstimulated that find it so easy to get bored. There was a, I was praying and I, I, I sing the, anyone ever see the movie uh, Wally? Wally, right? <laughs> Eva. And uh, it's like the coolest movie ever if you haven't seen it. But anyways, as they leave this planet, they go up to this spaceship where America, uh, not Americans, but people, mankind, is living on a spaceship. And what they have found a way to do is not work at all anymore. Zero effort. Technology has completely kicked in and they're floating around on wheelchairs uh, with computers in front of them. And uh, the movie says that their bones and muscles de deteriorate it? Something like that. We'll go with it, right? There's, yeah. And, um, and, uh, and to the point where they, they had like basically not used any of their muscles anymore and they just allowed technology to think for them. And that's what's happening. We think that we're learning because we're searching Google. Google is telling you what to believe. You think you learned a revelation about what's happening with masks or not happening with masks? or COVID, or not COVID. The conversation, everyone has truth. But only few have truth. In the end times, he's not saying, I want you to, to have a political party. He's saying, I want you to be a son and daughter. There is not a right or a left in heaven. There are only sons and daughters. And I, I have an opinion, and I do vote. But man, it is so important that you understand that there is nothing you're going to do that's going to stop what God's about to do. Whether this is an end time scenario or it's not. And so you can pick a side, but you're going to end up realizing that what we're doing is learning things that's happening in the world and not what's happening in scripture. So if you have an opinion, what's the verse? I'm telling you the word of the Lord right now. Because these people woke up in the middle of the night and they didn't have oil. Now, the oil was a symbol. He used midnight because people were, were sleeping. 
But he also used midnight because there would be a fire. But there is no fire without oil. And the oil is, throughout Scripture, is a symbol of God's Holy Spirit. And so what I'm recognizing right now is that many of us are dry. And we think like, oh, well, like, I loved God. I had an experience with God a year and a half ago or two years ago. I'm good. Or I, I, I remember Scripture. No, no, no. This is a daily bread. Like, I'm telling you, I know a lot. I know more Scripture than most people in the room. And if I'm not reading it, God's not speaking to me through it. Because he's not trying to use the examples that happened yesterday. It's living and active. Your marriage isn't based on the vow that you made 20 years ago, but the vow you're making today. Your, your effort at work isn't based on the decision that you made when you signed up for the job, but how much, how much passion are you putting in right now? And what's happening is this awakening I'm talking about is that there is in the church right now a slumber that is awful. There is a lack of zeal. But when God's spirit comes on us, we feel alive. We feel passionate. We feel like we care about things that are significant. We care about humans. We want to make a difference. There is almost inside of us an urgency to do great things unless we're being lulled by media and TV and bored by statistics. And it will put you to sleep spiritually. It'll sing you a lullaby and get you so comfortable and cozy and keep on scrolling and keep on searching. But what the scripture is saying, if you run out of oil, listen, my car runs out of, out of oil my, and my body runs out of oil. I need fuel, I need food for my body and I need fuel for my spirit. Yeah. And so here's what we're doing. August 1st, mark your calendars. We're gonna start a 21 day fast. We do this every year and we're, we're putting it on the calendar right now. I am asking you all to get off TV, to get off social media for 21 days. Watch the difference. When you eat this, instead of the crap, listen, I'm telling you, if, if, do you believe that there is a devil? I'm telling you that the devil has strategies that you don't, you're not aware of. He is smarter than us. He's not smarter than the Lord. And so, what I know is when I am passionate, it's because I'm alive in Christ or I'm bored. And these virgins became bored spiritually. I have a lot of content still to go over and we are going to go over time and uh, I'm okay with that. The third thing, so the oil had ran out. That was in verse seven through eight. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps and the five foolish ones asked, please give us some of your oil because our lamps are going out. Now remember, they already had their lamps with them. And they had oil in their lamps, according to verse 7. They just ran out. And there are multiple passages in Scripture where Jesus would say, you did do signs and wonders in my name, and you did do things that, but you don't, you haven't done those things in so long. Like the, the book of Revelations, if we read it, Jesus is constantly saying letters to the church, return to your first love. Return to being about me. Like, this is a jealous God who wants a relationship with you. And he's like, it's not awkward. Anyone who has a relationship with anyone wants that relationship. And so here's the bridegroom going, hey, we're getting married, Jack. And your heart ain't in this. Where are you at? You picking up what I'm laying down right now? 
what I get a sense of is that many of us have, are falling asleep and we're bored. And we think that this is a conspiracy of the government. No. This is a conspiracy of the devil. To separate church and church members and church people and put you in a season where you're just, you got nothing else to do but Netflix and chill for days. Okay, the fourth thing that I see that is super important that stands out to me is in verses 10 through 13. And it says this, but while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who went in with him uh, to the marriage feast, and then the door was locked. Later, the other five bridesmaids returned, and they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, believe me, I don't know you. So you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or the hour of my return. I want to say this. This sounds harsh. I've seen this as a pastor more times than I can count. And I'm not even talking about Christianity. Let's just call it marriage. How many times have you saw a friend that went through a divorce? You know what happens most of the time? Two people are in love. One person accidentally checks out. And the other person's trying. Sometimes they're both trying and they're just fighting. But sometimes one just forgets to keep trying. And then the other one's trying so hard that they're just getting frustrated and they're like, it feels like we're, it's only one-sided. And somewhere along the line, I've seen this so many times, the other person that's been trying says, I quit. And when they quit, they're done. And when they're done, they say, I'm over it. Well, that day, this person wants to try now. Yeah. And it's, it's too late. I'm over it. Now, I'm not saying that this is healthy. But I have seen this scenario, you call it at work. Call it with children, where kids want the attention of their parents so bad. What was that song years ago? The cat's in the cradle in the sills. Come on, sing it with me. Little one blue and the man on the moon, when you're coming home. And you missed it. You missed your opportunity. And now the kid's like, I'm busy now and I don't have time for you. And that's why we have to drink every moment. We don't sleep on this earth. We care about every single moment that we have. Carpe diem, right? Like, let's like make them seize the moment. This is a moment in time where God is moving both in the church and both in the world. And many of us think that the conversation is about something that it's, it's not. And so today I have 10, maybe 15 more minutes worth of time. We are making some changes in our church starting uh, this week. And uh, I'm really excited about it. I'm going to tell you more about another change that we're going to do next week. But, um, and next week's sermon is pretty cool because God had given me a scripture for about six years now that I have preached in this church probably 30 times, a passage. And I've always felt like this passage is the hope of this church. And I never saw what the Lord revealed to first my wife, who is my best pastor. And um, I sometimes don't like my wife's ideas until uh, she often tells me that she, she told me that first and I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. Well, anyways, so um, we're making some changes and uh, what I'm excited about is I think that the, some of the things that's happening right now is not done yet. Um, 
I think that there are going to be, um, that what's happening in California generally starts and then it goes throughout the country and they shut down churches again last week over in California. And I get a sense that we might not be meeting in two months. Uh, but what I know is the, our mission statement is not to just meet Sunday morning, but the mission of our church is to make disciples. And so uh, what I realized is that we had a strategy that was close to what it should look like, but it's not. I hear a cry coming from within our church right now, people saying that I, I, there's gifts inside of me and I just want to see them. I want to see the Holy Spirit move. I want to see God do great things. I want to see signs and wonders. I want to see, and, and I think the problem with the modern day church is that um, we have taught you that it's your pastor's job and not yours. And so if I'm not doing it, surely your church is failing you, Right? Uh, what we want to do is set the table to create what we're calling house churches. And uh, we're going to start them in August. And so what we want to do is we want to have churches everywhere. Everywhere. I, we used to have like 10, maybe 12 connect groups. This is not connect groups. It's a lot like connect groups, but it's a lot different. And so uh, what we want to do is we want to have churches set up all across town. Um, we want you to be a pastor. We want you, the gifts of God to come out of you. You want to see signs and wonders? Great. I want you to see signs and wonders. Uh, I want you to place a demand on the call of God on your life. I want you to make disciples. I am 100% certain that there are hundreds of people that we know that will never step foot in this building, but they will in your house. And so I'm begging you to make your house a church starting in August. And I am begging you to ask your family members to come to your church at your house. What we're going to do is we're going to uh, pre-record a worship set just for you. It'll be small. It'll be simple. And if you want to make that worship set go on, we'll give you some, some, some tools. We're going to pre-record a segment of, of conversation to help you and uh, to help the conversation. And uh, we're going to keep them way shorter than we've ever done just to get to, to, to kick the tires. But we want you to have prayer in your home under the way that you see it. So the scripture says that God had apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. What I know is that is, there's teachers in this room that got to teach. And they think that the gospel just needs to be taught. Teach it. There are people that think, man, we, what we need is more compassion. We need more tender mercy. We need a place that's more welcoming. It's because you're a pastor. Pastor. We need people that's going to evangelize and reach out and get, make it a party. Yeah, crank up some food and throw some steaks on the grill. Those neighbors will come. Let's do it. Uh, we have to reach the lost. That's the only thing we got to do. And so what we're on our webs on, our, on our, our, our app right now, if you would get out your phones, uh, what we've put out there is um, right now we're asking three questions on your app. It's going to be under the category of connect. And then there's a link that says house churches. And there's three questions. It says, one, I'd like to attend a, uh, a house church. I'd like to host a house church. Or I'd like to lead one. Some of you may want to lead it, but you don't want to do it in your house. I don't have parking. I don't have space. Uh, what is our problem? What is our, 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 our model for kids? Worship with your kids. Let them see it. Let them pray. Uh, what we want is to see God move amongst your neighbors that are not going to church. Amongst your friends that are not going to church. Please, this is not a connect group. This is be zealous, be radical, and here's why. Courtney, are you here? 
Can someone else, Dean, can you go to where Courtney's at? And Courtney, can you come here real quick? Here's why. Rachel, would you come? Uh, Courtney is a dear friend of ours, and um, God's done uh, quite a lot in her life here at our church. Um, and so um, would you play? I don't know what you're going to play, but um, um, Courtney, would you come? Uh, Courtney is getting married um, here in a couple weeks, and she's pretty excited about it, right? Yes. And God's done a lot in your life and in your husband's life since you've been in our church. Brian got baptized. Whoop, whoop. And um, uh, the things that God has done in their life has been awesome. Well, she's getting married in a couple weeks. And last Saturday, we were in prayer. And uh, prayer is special because there's a lot of God speaking here. And so it was really neat. God began to speak to me about what we were going to discuss this week. And it was about your wedding. And what I realized is about the bridegroom and the bride is there's a lot of things that are really significant about what we should be doing as we should be getting prepared for Jesus' return. Watch this. Courtney, I wrote down four things. And um, I believe, and I could be wrong, that the most important thing that matters for you on the day of your wedding is are you and your husband ready to be married? Do you think there's anything right now, think about every, all the details, is there anything more important than you and him being ready to be married? Definitely not. Does anyone think there's anything more important than that? Now, I'll tell you the second thing that this bride is concerned about on the day of her wedding is that dress. 100% true. <laughs> there is nothing that matters that that dress is white and pure and spotless and that it fits and looks great on you. Yes. Top priority. And this is 100% biblical that Jesus wants us dressed in white. We want our hearts right with God. Are you right with God? I don't know. Are you sleeping in your relationship with God? I don't know. Because you, you, you can't, you can't go autopilot in a relationship. That's when, that's when separation happened a long time ago. We're not about that. And you got to be right through and through. So make our hearts pure. And the third thing I thought is significant and matters the most to you. I could be wrong. But have all the invitations gone out? As of last night, yes. <laughs> We're there still is seven weeks out. Not probably now. nothing else matters on the day of your wedding that you'll regret more than someone that you love, that you love, that you love, that you didn't invite to your wedding. What if you get to meet Jesus and you didn't invite your brother to come to the wedding day? What if you didn't have a chance, man, for the door to be shut on someone I love because I didn't invite them? to the greatest moment of my life. Shame be on me. And the scripture talks about it in Ezekiel chapter 3 and Ezekiel chapter 33. You can check that out later. Um, and the fourth thing is, is everything perfect and all the de details taken care of? Because yes. you don't want anything else to be worried about, right? We want everything to be in its perfect place. And that's what you do at a house church, y'all. We're going to have everything right. We're going to have food right. We're going to have the smell right. Everything's going to be clean because we want God to come into this house. We start cleaning this church on Friday, y'all, for y'all to be here on Sunday because we want it to be right. Walk into the parking lot and clean up the trash around the yard because we want it to be right. 
People are spending hours of time to make sure that everything is right so you can sit right there without any distractions because you want everything to be right on the day of your wedding. Thank you. I am way over time. Here's what you need to know. One, are you right with God? How is your relationship with him? Are you talking? Are you reading? Is God on any level uh, the highest priority of your life? Because I believe, just like my wife, there should be no other than her in my life. When I committed to the marriage of Jesus, I'll never put Teresa above Jesus, just like I'll never put any other human above my wife. How is your relationship with Jesus? If it's not, I don't want the scenario that I ran out of oil because I wasn't having a daily conversation, not a monthly, not a weekly. I'm in relation, covenant relationship with Jesus. Are you right with God too? Is there sin in your life? Is your dress pure? Because I know that I could be married and I can have things in my life that hurts my bride. If she knows that I've got my eyes wandering on crap on the internet or looking at things or talking about certain ways, I can hurt her and damage our relationship. And God is serious about sin. It damages our relationship. Three, are you doing your job in inviting all of your friends to the greatest moment in your life. When I'm worshiping up here, why I'm excited is because I know that my friends are with me as I'm worshiping God. It feels great. I want to know that I'm doing the work to put the invitations out. Four, are all the details right? Would you all bow your heads and close your eyes for a second? Are you right with God? Is your life right with Jesus right now? If he came right now at midnight, have you been sleeping? If you're not right with God, I believe that the parable of the 10 virgins and what Jesus said in Matthew 24 and later in 25 and in Revelations is a scenario that he's saying, we don't sleep in a relationship with Jesus. We don't get bored. You do sleep. You don't get bored and just blend. If you're not right with God, I want to pray for you. If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? Online, I want to ask you to, God bless you. God bless you. Wow. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. I see you. Online, go ahead and, and say, pray for me, Pastor. We have a team right now praying for everyone online, praying for everyone online, praying for everyone online. God, I want my heart. If, you're, if there is sin currently in your life and you know that you love God, but you are doing things that you know shame the Holy Spirit, if that's you right now, would you raise your hand? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I want my life to be pure if Jesus returns. Father, would you move? Would you move? Would you move? Would you move like only you can? Lord, I give you my life. I ask that you forgive me. I ask that you wash me and that you cleanse me. I ask that you make me love like you. In Jesus' name, would you sing this with me?
That's it, Lord Jesus. Your spirit, your spirit, your spirit, your spirit, your spirit. As, as we end, here's, here's what I know, is that I don't know if Jesus is coming back tomorrow, but I believe that I should make every moment of my life matter in my marriage. And I should make every moment matter in my relationship with Christ. And I believe that we are called to win the lost and make disciples. And so there's a call of God on you to lead, and there's a call on someone else to come to Christ. There are some that are friends of yours that you should be pastoring that even go to our church. And we want to put a place of demand on that calling. We want to see the lost saved. That's it. More than anything. More than anything. More than anything. Make disciples. So I, I, we believe in this strategy, and we'll tell you a lot more about it next week. But before we dismiss today, I want to pray for you. But if you made a decision today, the scripture says that we uh, confess our sins to one another. And what I want to do is that if you made a decision today, I want someone to pray for you. And so uh, I'm going to ask you to go to someone and say, ah, I got something. Uh, pray for me. And um, I, it's cool. I'm going to make it weird. We love you. And, um, but you, something, God's doing something in your life that we don't want to stop. We got to keep it going. So if you just sit there on it, it, you may have just appeased a moment, but you, you didn't make change. Father, I thank you for your church. I thank you that she is the darling of your creation. I thank you, God, that you made trees and birds and plants and animals, but when you made man and woman, it was good. It was very good because you love us. Because somehow when we look at you and say we love you, it moves you. Put a love in my heart for you and a purpose and a passion that is only for your namesake. Father, I love, I love, I love you. As you have your way in our lives, make us the light of this world. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, I love you guys. I love you guys online, and uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. House Churches, go to the app, sign up for one. If you made that prayer, come down, talk to someone. We love you. Talk to you soon.